Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. Paul writes, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also should so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Let's pray together. Lord, we as we just sung, we need your help. We need your grace to course every day. And also, Lord, we need even as we come to your word that you would give us understanding and insight, and particularly that you would help us to understand what your word says, but then how it applies specifically to each one of us in our lives. Spirit, I just pray that you would minister to us through your word, that you would teach us, you would instruct us, you would strengthen us, so that we might please you in all that we do. We ask this in Christ's name. opening scene of Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, there's a famous fight scene between the two feuding families, the Capulets and the Montagues, and one member, Benvolio, pleads for peace before this fight breaks out, and his adversary, Tybalt, quickly shuts him down with these words. He says, peace, I hate the world. I hate hell. All Montagues are evil. And I imagine that's kind of how most Americans feel with the word submission. They hate the word submission as much as any other. And this is because by nature we are all self-worshipping creatures. Prior to being saved, all of us were violently to submitting to God's will in our lives. As Paul writes in Romans 8, 7, the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it's not even able to do so. And as one commentator observes, he said, fallen man's fierce hostility to God is the response of his egotism, which is the essence of his fallenness, to God's claim to his allegiance. Determined to assert himself, to assert his independence, to be the center of his own life, to be his own God, he cannot help but hate the real God whose very existence gives life to all his self-assertion. But that changes when a person's born again. When their heart is changed, they no longer want to look to themselves, but look to him who died and rose again for the sake of transcending Christ. And Christian submission entails more than outward obedience. The power of regeneration enables a Christian to, to worship God with all their being, with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind, all their strength. But this wholehearted submission is unto the Lord, and not necessarily just unto men. A Christian might merely submit outwardly to their authorities, but inward submission to God needs to come first. We might disagree with the reasonings and the justice of what we're called to do, and 
therefore reluctantly submit to our earthly authorities, while in our hearts we are wholeheartedly submitting to God because we trust in His Word. And it's the reality of this transformation that takes place in a Christian's heart when they're born again that grounds Paul's instruction to wives and their husbands. Grammatically, the command to submit is presented as an expression of being filled with the Spirit, you see in verse 18. And and theologically grounded in earlier statements in the book. Look at Ephesians 5, verse 1. Therefore, he says, be imitators of God as beloved children, because your children of God imitate them. And then he says earlier in chapter 4, verse 22, that we're to put off our old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of our mind. And we're to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And so the reason Christian wives should submit to their husbands is precisely because they're Christian. Because their hearts have been transformed to no longer live for themselves, but wholeheartedly worship Christ as their Lord. And in the message this morning, I would like to point out six aspects of a Christian wife's submission as seen in this text before us. Ephesians 5, verses 22 to 24. Walk through the meaning of submission, the motive of submission, the margins of submission, the manner of submission the mode of submission, and finally, the magnitude of submission. Let's look at that first one. As noted in verse 21, Paul says, we are to be submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that word submit was actually originally a military term which, which means to line up under or to rank oneself with. It, it refers to putting oneself in their proper location, befitting their rank. And it came to be used more broadly to just speak of submitting to any authority in life. And it's noteworthy that when Paul uses this term in the New Testament, it's always used either in the middle or in the past tense of the verse. Meaning, it's not a forced submission, but rather a person's willful decision to submit themselves or to allow themselves to be subjected to whoever's in authority over them. So it's not some cringing obedience to some spineless weakling, but the free acceptance of the duty that's been given to them. And you might be surprised to hear that that command to submit that's in verse 22 is not actually found there in the Greek. In fact, in the Greek, verse 22 simply says, wives to your own husbands. The command to submit is actually found in the previous verse, verse 21, where Paul instructs, Christians to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, people will sometimes suggest that the command that's given, because it's given to all Christians to submit to one another, then what he's saying is that the the submission here needs to be mutual, that uh, wives are to submit to their husbands, but also the husbands are to submit to their wives. But there are a few clear reasons why this is not what Paul's saying. The first is that such an understanding really wouldn't make much sense. If we're, submit to, if we're to submit to one another all the time in marriage, what happens when there is a disagreement? Well, who decides what one should do? Who's ultimately to submit to who? And if this is what Paul meant, applying the, to 
command here would actually be quite confusing. But we know that God is not the author of confusion. He brings order. He brings order to life. Secondly, Paul clarifies precisely what he means in the verses that follow when he says, Wives are to submit to their own husbands as the church submits to Christ. Now, Paul was teaching that husbands and wives should submit to one another. Then it would follow that he's also saying that Christ and the church should submit to one another. But is there ever a time when Christ submits himself to the church and their instructions? That Christ follows the church's leadership, that he puts the church in charge and tells him what to do. Well, no. The church submits to Christ in everything, as is clearly implied in verse 22. Thirdly, the Paul, Paul is simply applying the principle of submission to wives. It's clarified in looking at the context of the whole. Because Paul continues through the rest of chapter 5 and chapter 6, noting that children are to obey their parents. And then he says, Masters, um, slaves should submit to their masters in verses 5 through 9. But is there ever a time when parents should seek to obey their children? Or that slaves would then have authority over their masters? So when Paul commands Christians to submit to one another, he's not saying that every Christian in society needs to submit to every other Christian in society, regardless of their age, rank, or standing. He's not saying that at all. He's saying that the order that was established in creation and the order that already exists in society needs to be upheld. If indeed we have reverence for Christ. Christians should submit to whoever is in authority over them. Whether it's husbands or governing authorities or parents or bosses or police or elders or children. As the Apostle Peter clearly instructs us, we read earlier. Be subject to the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as slaves of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. This brings us to the motive of submission, which is the fear of God. Look again at verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, he says. Notice that word reverence. That word in the Greek is one you're actually probably familiar with. It's the Greek word phobos, where we get phobia or fear of this or that. It simply means fear. And it speaks to uh, a Christian caring far more about God's opinion, God's judgment, than what any other person thinks, including their own opinion. That God's opinion matters most. And we saw a few weeks ago in Psalm 128 that the fear of the Lord is actually the key to the, the fruitfulness, the spiritual fruitfulness of a Christian family. If you want a spiritually fruitful family, it starts with fearing God above all things. And this is also the key motive in a wife's submission to her husband. Submission, as Paul says in verse 21, is how one demonstrates in their actions that they truly fear God above all other things. This point is worth meditating on before we move on. 
instruction that Paul gives in verse 21 is not just to wives, it's to all Christians. He then speaks to husbands and slaves and masters and children. And so this is not just good advice that a Christian can choose to embrace or ignore. These are commands whereby in our obedience to them, we demonstrate that we truly do fear God. That He really is our God and not we ourselves. As Proverbs 20 verse 6 states, Many a man proclaims his own faithfulness. But a faithful man, who, who is he? In other words, talk is cheap. There's a lot of people who talk about how much they love God and they fear God and they're going to serve God with their lives. And then they frequently just disregard God's commandments whenever it's difficult or hard or difficult to understand. It's easy to imagine ourselves faithfully following Christ at all costs until an authority asks us to do something that we really don't want to do or that we think is stupid or unreasonable. Such moments are what really test our loyalty to Christ. Do we really love Christ with all our heart or is our loyalty to something higher, namely our own comfort or our own problems? In fact, this was the point being made by Jesus in Matthew 18, verse 18. I'd like to go ahead and flip there in Matthew 18, verse 18. Jesus gives this instruction. When he saw the crowd gathering around him in verse 18. He says, Truly I say to you, Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Oops, sorry, I'm in the wrong chapter. It says this. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. And his point here, quite simply, is nothing tests our love and obedience to Christ like having to submit when things get difficult. In fact, John 15, Jesus told his disciples, greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friend. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. John 15, verses 12 through 15. So Christian love, that is love for Christ, is not trivial. But it is real. Loving Christ by submitting to unimpressive leaders, frankly, it's not going to win you any applause. People aren't going to be astonished. Nobody's going to praise you for being such a strong person. Because you're willing to swallow your pride and self-will. Because your, your loyalty to Christ is stronger than your loyalty to yourself. Nobody's going to be impressed by that. I love this quote by Dostoevsky. I've mentioned it before, but it seems fruitful to quote it again. He said, Love in action is a harsh and dreadful thing compared with love in dreams. Love in dreams is greedy for immediate action, rapidly performed and in the sight of all. 
Men will give their lives if only the ordeal is slow and does not last long, but is soon over, with all looking on, applauding as if on stage. But active love is labor and fortitude for some people a complete and nothing shows one's love for Christ like obedience to his commands. Thirdly, Paul gives the margin of submission. You'll notice that he limits the sphere of a wife's obedience in verse 22. That is, he puts margins around it. When he says, wives, submit to your own husbands. So Paul is not asking that every woman submits to every man. But rather, wives are to submit to their own husbands. Paul is not saying that every relationship of a woman to a man is to be one of submission and headship. No, the call is limited to the covenant of marriage. So the sphere is only to one's own husband in this passage. Fourthly, Paul gives the manner of submission. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. So Paul is saying that a Christian's wife demonstrates her submission to Christ as she submits to her husband. And this is the same logic that Christ used when describing the final judgment in Matthew 25. When he said, the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in, in prison and visiting you? The king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it, to one of the least of my brothers, you did it to me. His point is, the way you demonstrate your love to me is, how do you respond to the needs of those who are around you? You show your love to me in how you treat other people. And in the same way, a Christian wife demonstrates her submission to Christ in her submission to Christ's appointed authority over her. Her husband. Now, there are many women desire to be Christian influencers, to make an impact on the world for Christ through blogging or through making podcasts or developing a, a Christian YouTube channel or even wanting to go serve on the mission field. And, and that's great. But if they're failing to submit to their own husbands in their own homes, they're just being hypocrites. They're not really seeking to honor Christ with their lives because they're ignoring explicit commands. submitting to their husbands, they're not submitting to Christ. Not because their husband is Christ, but because they show their love and submission to Christ in obedience to Christ's commands. Jesus said to his disciples, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Implication, if you're not obeying my commandments, how are you going to love me? And it's in the realm of our homes that our love for Christ is truly manifested. In our home is truly who we are. It's our home. And a lot of people think what matters is what people see of us when we're outside of our home, when we're in church, when we're in our workplace. And so we work hard at building up a reputation. But what we are at home is very different than what people see in these other areas. So what Christ wants us to understand is who we are at home is who we will be. This is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. 
1 John type of thing. But Christian, here's what I know. Our joy as a Christian is our joy to submit to Christ even when His commands are hard. doesn't mean they're easy. It's hard, but it's our joy to follow our Savior. That's why Jesus said, if you want to follow me, He didn't say, well, get on the bus, it'll be an easy ride. He says, take up your cross. Don't die to yourself. means a wife's choice to submit to her husband is primarily an expression of her love for Christ, not love to her husband. Now her husband might mean the world to her, but the primary reason that she chooses to submit to him is not because he's handsome or wealthy or brilliant. It's not his charm or his leadership ability. The reason Christian wife chooses to submit to her husband because she loves Christ. Brings us to the model for submission. The church in Christ, verse 23, it says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and his himself its Savior. But notice that conjunction for. It demonstrates that Paul is giving the reason why wives should submit to their husbands. And the reason is that God has appointed the husband to be the head. Just as Christ is the head of the church. Now, since we spent the last few weeks describing what headship is, I'm not going to belabor the point here again. Except to point out that husbands are the appointed leader in the home. Just as Christ is the unequivocal leader of the church. Now, if you think about it, Paul could not have made his point any clearer. He equates the husband's position of leadership in the home with his own, with Christ's own leadership of the church. I mean, there really isn't any stronger analogy that he could make. A wife's submission to her husband is modeled after the church's submission to Christ, which says that if a wife is not submitting to her husband, if she chooses not to submit to his leadership, she is in rebellion against him. recognize that this statement does not imply that a husband has all the rights and authority that Christ has. Far from it. The analogy of Christ and the husband breaks down if it's pressed too far. First, because all men sin. They're going to make mistakes. There's going to be a time when men have to apologize to their wives because of their wrongdoing. Christ never has to apologize. He never sins, nor will he ever sin. Love as husbands will. Moreover, husbands, unlike Christ, are not the ultimate authority. Their job, therefore, is to point their wives towards the ultimate authority, Christ. Husbands are Christ's servants, and therefore, they should always seek to exalt Him in their leadership, not themselves. They're subordinate to Christ, not equal to Him. This brings us to the magnitude of submission. Verse 24 says, Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. That, that phrase, in everything, on in the Greek, is all-encompassing. What he's 
saying submission encompasses every area of life. There's not any area of life where this command does not apply. So Paul is closing any loopholes that might exist in a Christian wife's mind. Everything means submission is not limited to the decisions she agrees with, nor nor is it limited to the areas in which the husband is an expert or which he has competence in. Martha Peace addresses this in her book, The Excellent Wife. She says, in considering the scope of submission in everything in Ephesians 5.24 means in all areas of life, such as finances, decorating the house the length of her hair, what to have for supper, and discipline of the children. For example, consider the case of an unsubmissive wife who was furious at her husband because he did not like the antique sofa she had purchased, and he told her to take it back. Since he was not asking her to sin, she should graciously have submitted. End quote. And the reason for this all-encompassing extent is because God's Designed for marriage was unity. Right? Uh, Genesis chapter 2. He designed marriage so that the husband and wife would be unified. In order for that unity to take place, there needs to be leadership. And it needs to be clear who the leader is. Because they're to be one flesh, God wants couples to function under one head. Not as two autonomous individuals simply living together. So because God has appointed husbands to be leaders in the home, the burden of responsibility lies squarely on them. But, but this does not mean that a wife cannot take initiative in decisions that need to be made. And it certainly doesn't mean that she can't even challenge her husband's decisions. She should. In fact, a wife cannot actually fulfill her God-given responsibility to be a helper to her husband if she doesn't have the freedom to rebuke him, if necessarily, or, or to challenge him or to question maybe his logic is not being consistent. A good husband will therefore seek input from his wife and frequently adopt her ideas. In fact, this is implied in the command that he gives later for husbands to love their wives like Christ loved the church. If he really is seeking to love her, he's going to want her feedback. He's going to want to understand her so he could live with her in an understanding way. And a good husband's going to be open to having his ideas challenged through Scripture and through plain reason because he wants to discern God's will. Right? Just to look at a few verses earlier. Chapter 5, verse 15. Paul says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Note, therefore, don't be foolish. But understand what the will of the Lord is. If you're going to live wisely, if you're going to walk in the Spirit, you need to discern what the Spirit wants you to do. And if you really want to do that well, you're going to want to get feedback. You're going to want good counsel, especially from those who know you best. Know your weaknesses. Know your tendencies. So an awareness of one's own fallibility should keep husbands very suspicious of any decision they make. And even if one is full-heartedly seeking to honor Christ in his decisions, this doesn't, this doesn't automatically mean 
because you're sincere in wanting God's will to be done, that you automatically know what God's will is going to be. You can sincerely want to obey God and be sincerely wrong. Just look at the world. Most so-called Christians, they think they're doing God's will, even when they're in outright sin. Sincerity is not the test of God's will. God's word is. So if a wife is to submit to her husband in everything, what should a wife do if the husband is encouraging her to do something that is dishonoring to God or is that, that is outright sinful? What should she do in those cases? Should she submit? Absolutely not. And this is because her primary loyalty is not to her husband. It's to Christ. That's what, the reason she submits to her husband is because she's loyal to Christ. If, if her husband's seeking to get her to be disloyal to Christ, she needs to submit to her ultimate authority, which is Christ. Which means she would not be submitting to her husband in such a case. And in fact, this is the only qualification that God gives regarding submission. All Christians should submit to their authorities unless such submission would lead us to violate God's instruction. This is precisely why the Hebrew midwives would not follow Pharaoh's command when he asked them to slaughter the Hebrew babies. And this is why Daniel's three young friends refused to bow their knee in worship to the image of Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 3. And why later on Daniel refused to stop praying three times a day even though a decree went out saying that everybody had to could not pray to anybody but Nebuchadnezzar. And the apostles faced a similar decision when the Sanhedrin forbade Peter and John to preach in the name of Jesus, as we saw a few weeks ago in Acts 4. And they responded to that prohibition, we must obey God rather than men. And so the same is true for a Christian wife. She should never follow her husband into sin. But that being said, in such cases where the husband is on the path of disobedience, a wife can still maintain a spirit of submission without actually following him. She can maintain a spirit of submission without actually following him. And she does this by demonstrating in her attitude and her behavior that she doesn't like walking outside of step with him. That she wants to be unified with him. But she can't be unified with him if he's walking in disobedience to Christ. Because that's her ultimate authority. And so she can respectfully plead for him to repent of his folly. Because, precisely because, she longs to submit to him. She wants to be unified with him in his decisions. But any ungodly decision would demand that she could not be unified. So she would plead with them to do the right thing, but still be submissive in her attitude. Not critical, not cranky, not demeaning, not disrespectful. Now one of the reasons, men, that wives struggle to submit to their husbands is that it's really unnerving to have to entrust your care, your life, your well-being to somebody else. Especially if that somebody else 
demonstrates a lack of understanding or a lack of care or inconsistency. You know how difficult it is to trust governing authorities that prove themselves untrustworthy. How much more exponential would be your hesitancy to entrust your life to those authorities if they lived with you and you saw their inconsistency, you saw their um, lack of interest in your well-being. And if their decisions intimately affected every detail of your life, then you know how hard it is to submit to unreasonable bosses, unreasonable police officers, unreasonable politicians, how much more if all of your life depended upon their decisions for you. It's very unnerving. And so one of the best ways you can help your wives in the air of submission is by modeling it. If a man complains about his wife's submission to him because it's hard for her to follow him, but he regularly justifies his traffic violations, speeding or parking or whatever it is, or he speaks disrespectfully of his boss, complains about his hours or the work that he has to do, or he's verbally disrespectful of the President of the United States, he's not modeling submission in his life. In fact, he's doing the opposite. He would not want his wife to follow him in his lack of submission. So one of the best ways you can help your wives to submit is by actually modeling it in every area of your life. Show her, even though it's hard, that you love Christ so much that you're willing to take the risk of having to do what may be hard, what may put you in a vulnerable position. So submission is not only hard, it's, it could be truly terrifying. And so recognize, again, just like it's, it's hard to, to be the leader of a home and to have the responsibility of all the decisions that are made on you to bear that weight, recognize how difficult it is for a wife to have to submit to you. And so just as you need your wife's support in fulfilling your God-given responsibility, so too your wife needs your encouragement. She needs your support. She needs your ear and your patience, and at times even your forgiveness. And so in summary, Christian submission in the home refers to a wife's divine calling to honor and affirm her husband's leadership and to help carry it through through using her gifts. It's not an absolute surrender of her will, but a disposition to yield to her husband's guidance and her inclination to follow his leadership. It doesn't mean that she's inferior or that she is to be totally passive and surrender all independent thought. That's not what it means. Rather, it means that she's going to exercise her will to help her husband to discern what is true and good and beautiful and then to help him live these things out within the home. She's going to exercise her will to help her husband to discern what is true and good and beautiful and then to help him carry out those things within the home. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
we are not so naive to think that such commands as you give us here in Ephesians 5 are as simple as acknowledging that they're right or even acknowledging that they're good. Some of the things that you call us to in Scripture, Lord, frankly, um, our flesh is repulsed by. And often our situations make it intensely difficult to follow. But Lord, our, our, our loyalty from the day we were born again and you changed our heart and you gave us forgiveness through Christ, the day that happened, our loyalty was no longer confined to ourselves. But Lord, we wholeheartedly submit to you. You are our Savior. You are our King. You are our God. And so even as you have commanded us to do this in every area of our life, Lord, we want to submit to you. But in so doing, we, we plead for grace. Give us grace to believe your word, to trust you, to entrust our well-being to you, even as we seek to submit to your commands. We pray these things in Christ's name.